This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore, Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together, and since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging. And my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Dylan Smith, I'm so excited to see your handsome face again and to have you as a guest on my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How's it going? It's today? great. I wanted to say I appreciate you letting me be on your podcast, your platform. I'm very um, honored. And it's been oh, connecting with you. Yeah. We met in New York City. You sat next to me. I don't know, 30 minutes in the conversation, I was like, can I adopt you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next morning, I'm going, okay, he probably thinks I'm whack. I'm a, a whack job, but... But we just had this connection immediately, and I love everything you're doing. So, yeah, this is just great. I, I look at energy as a form of currency, so I feel our energy had kind of sink that night. And, I mean, we, we I, you could probably feel it as well. Without talking, we kind of both understood we were in the same vibration of, of frequency. So Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we speak each other's language, and, and that's amazing. So you host... D is for Dyslexia and Defying All Odds podcast. And I want to talk about that. Um, but before we, you know, let, let's just start a conversation with how did you get to where you are today? And, and, and I, want to, I want you to tell the audience your backstory because it's, it's, it's very interesting. Okay. So for reference to anybody listening, I am a baby. I'm only 22 years old. Um, I was adopted in 2003 from Russia. I lived in an orphanage for two years where um, briefly we would sleep in our pillowcases if our blankets were stolen and hide our food in them uh, due to just, you know, our fight or flight survival mode. Um, after being adopted the first time, we ended up being adopted. And we have our beautiful mother still, but we had not called the father for eight years, opened a bar, drank the profits, abused us and our family, ran away to Florida for 10 years, um, didn't hear from him for 10 years. And uh, then we were adopted again in 2014 by uh, my father now who saved our life. And we, when I was seven, I was diagnosed with ADHD after a doctor talked to me and my parents for eight minutes. And they put me on Ritalin from uh, seven to uh, 16, 17 years old, so about 10 years, until we found out I had dyslexia. And uh, we took that journey from 16 years old to at a sixth grade reading level in 10th grade to graduating on time. When I graduated, I got an internship at a tech firm. And I leveraged, I, I did everything, man. I washed his car, I picked up his family at the airport, I his dry cleaning, the office, food, lunch, whatever. I did everything. I said, I'll work for you for free. If you like me, you'll hire me. 
he hired me, and then uh, they were bought out, so I ended up, he, he called the big dog over in New York, who's on Wall Street, and they hired me at 20 as an engineer. Then I travel around doing tech support for all these top financial firms. Um, and then I started running and listening to podcasts, and I said, you know, my story resonates with a lot of people with dyslexia, adoption, um, not having a father figure, and who would I be to not share that? So I started talking to my phone and just slowly but surely trusted the process and enjoyed the journey. And now here we are. Uh, yeah, you know, we had a conversation about dyslexia because, well, I've never been formally diagnosed. I've never seen a doctor about it, but I'll never forget the day that I learned that I had dyslexia. And I'm sure like anything, there's different levels of it and different severities of it. Yes. Um, Mine is is pretty simple and kind of comical because what happened was we my ex-husband, we were dating at the time. I was 21 years old. We're driving. And what I would do, and I still do it to this day, although I'm more conscious of it and aware and I try yeah. not to make the mistake, but, it, but on the fly, I'll go, you know, I'll point my hand to the right and say, go left, or I'll put my left hand to the left and say, go right. Yeah. And then I, um, in my mid twenties, I got a job, um, as an office manager and on the first day they handed me the checkbook and they're like, okay, you know, I had to manage the finances of this startup company. And that's when I noticed with numbers that I would transpose numbers. And so I became very aware of it. And even to this day, I, when I'm typing numbers or writing numbers, I double check myself and triple check myself because um, it can, you know, I just have to, so that's my severity of it. And like I said, it's kind of comical when, when I'm going, go right, go left. And I'm pointing in the wrong direction. And, and we just, I just kind of laugh about it. You know, it's funny. How did it show up for you? Oh, it showed I mean, it was always a, a fight. Um, I just knew that I didn't know what was going on in class. And if I could get one win a day in school, I could come back tomorrow. So I was always fighting and looking for that one win or that's figuring out one math problem or understanding one sentence or reading a page of a book and understanding what happened in that page. Um, I attempted to read with the class, right? And we'd read, yes, I see the words. I don't know what's in the book. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. we're talking about. Um, it's funny you said that because we were at Craig's event and that L, you saw the L and CLS kept flipping. I didn't know which way was backwards. And I was like, are they messing with me? Because she kept moving it one way and it floats the back the other way. And I was just amused in the back about it. Um, but I knew that the purple cow is what I was told by a mentor. Be the purple cow, stand out. Um, and I didn't know that I was doing it. I had to network with these teachers. I had to stand out. I had to make sure they knew I wasn't that kid in the back who didn't care and was vaping in the bathroom every two minutes, right? So I had to go in before class, go in during lunch, stay after school, skip my gym, really ask for help and put the effort in, in each class that I could that I was struggling, which was all of them, and make sure that they knew I'm not – my effort in, in um, grid is not lacking. It's just we don't know what it was at the time but I'm here and let's do what we can to pass. So they were really helpful with that um, because people, when you, you tend to see people trying and want it and going after it, you want to help them more. It's more of like you, you meet yes. halfway. Um, you just got to stand out. So they, everybody, I had great relationships with all my teachers, which I didn't know were building me to be able to network in the business world. And those skills of uh, going in early, staying late, business world, transferred, um, and my speaking skills, having to hold myself in front of these IEP meetings and tell everybody, Here's what I see. Here's how I feel. Here's what I think we need to do. It was all all part of the journey. It was all part of the process, and I'm grateful for all of it. Wow. Well, that's really great to hear about your teachers. You know, and, and you you did this like meeting you, and it brought 
it made me think of the great David Meltzer. I heard him say, you have to meet people where they are. And many times in education, and it's not, I don't think it's the fault of the teachers. I think it's the fault of the, their training, right. right? That they're not always trained to meet each student where they are. I mean, you, you, you're going to have the exceptions, but I think as a whole, no, um, a lot of times, and professors, college professors are the same way. They just expect you to already be there. And that's not the case for everybody because everyone learns differently. Right. And it's great to acknowledge that. You know, I was called the student kid for a long time, but I really, I really like to tell kids when I go to schools now, so I'm blessed to be able in this position to do that, is like the words may be backwards, but you're not. And then I like to tell the, the board, like, hey, if you're in a meeting with these parents, let's be – before we start yelling at each other, because the board comes in on defense, parents come in on offense, no one's even talked yet. I say, let's break down everything right now. Raise your hand if you have a kid in this room, right? People on the board have kids. Of course, you're in a school because you like kids. And then you go with parents who have kids. Raise your hand. Let's all put our parent helmets or shoes on or whatever you want to say. If this was your kid, how would you want this to go over? So now they've broken both sides, have broken down those barriers. They're not like, I'm here for my kid, they don't believe me. And they're not like, oh, they're going to yell at me. Jeez. Now like, oh, shoot, I have a kid. Here's what I do want to happen if this was my kid. So you have a, a mama bear approach to a situation instead of a professional approach to something that shouldn't be professionally approached at that level. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point. And I've had many conversations with people and I've heard others talk about this and it can be applied to politics. And that's where our political system is so broken because nobody's looking each other in the eye and having that conversation human to human because they're so conditioned and invested for whatever reason in their beliefs. And they're not, and the same thing is what you just described at a board meeting, at a school board meeting. Yeah. You know, the yeah. same thing is true. You have to just, you know, leave your egos at the door when you walk in and let's just have a human to human conversation. And until we can do that, and maybe it needs to start at the school board level and then maybe it'll, it'll work its way up. Yeah. yeah. It's important. But that's really cool. People, I love that. That's the funniest thing is they go in fighting for a kid, but they don't have a kid in there. Or the kid can't speak for themselves. Or every speaker we have the kid, but no one knows what the kid's going through. So it's like, I used to walk in and be like, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're all parents for a second. And then let's proceed. Yeah. And I know I had an experience with my son. And I don't know if we talked about this or not. He was uh, diagnosed with severe generalized anxiety disorder. And I put him on, I went to the school and I was like, you know, I need help here. Because he did so poorly in his ninth grade. And then, you know, when you're in high school, if you have a bad year, there's no recovery no. from that in terms of your GPA. And so I got so little assistance and it even got to the point where his college um, counselor said to him, don't even bother applying to college because you're not going to get in because of your GPA. And thankfully, the school secretary was like, I'm going to help you. And she was, she just said, what do you want to get out of your college experience? And he said, I want to go to a good, you know, a D1 college that has a good football team and basketball team. Yeah. He applied to five colleges, all with good D1 sports, got into all five, right? <laughs> and then he was able to choose. And that mentality, and I don't know if it's a lack mentality or if it's just that people just don't care, but why is it, do you think, in the school systems are so broken that they just aren't invested in really supporting their students that they're responsible for? They're not built there for the students. They're built to push uh, school of fish through of a system. That's it. 
we have class of 50 kids, we ninth grade. It's like my class was very, it was like a thousand kids. We have a thousand kids this year. We have to get through. Boom. They got finished freshman year. We have a thousand kids in sophomore. We got to push them through. So those, those fish who don't really know how to swim, may I say, kind of fall to the back of the line. And then the other fish go, why aren't you keeping up? And then we look back and we're like, what do you mean? And then now we are getting bullied as well. Like for, for reference, whoever is listening as a dyslexic kid, I probably put in double the hours that all my peers did, and I was still getting 50s and 60s. When my peers would go to lunch, they would go to recess, they would go play sports, they would hang out after school. No tutoring, no staying after, not going in before me, and they're getting 80s, 90s. But I was the stupid kid, which is the funniest part, right? Well, I'm doing double the work just to keep my head above water. And when we go into schools and we bring that perspective, it kills the bullying immediately. It kills the war between the parents and the board, and it makes the entire education system better for those kids, and that's Honestly, I'm so in love with that I'm doing that. And just the, the feedback that we're getting and the difference that's being changed. You know, I saw a quote the other day that said, um, uh, the only people who are crazy enough to believe that one man can change the world is the ones who do. That's right. So you've got to be crazy enough to know, I am outworking these people. I am doing more than them. I remember my, my high school counselor. I didn't know. I was just, I felt like I was a stupid kid. I was told it enough. I started believing it. But I stayed the process. I got one win, I'll come back tomorrow. I got one win, I'll come back tomorrow. That incremental growth and trust in the process also is transferred to my professional world. Because I've learned to trust yes. the process and do that incremental growth and appreciate, you know, four months ago we were in a different position. Even though it's not big, it's incremental, not monumental, and you appreciate the journey. A man who loves to run will run more than a man running for a destination. Mm. How did you get so much wisdom at such a young age? Like, like, where do you think that's coming from within you? Um, it's, a light, it's a real hack if anybody's listening, is no matter what room you're in and you think that you know something, tell everybody in the room you know nothing and you grab everything and anything from them and you figure out how to apply it immediately. Mm. I don't care where I am. I don't care if I'm on a sold out stage. I'll get off stage and talk to five kids or five parents because they know something that I don't that I can grow from. It's, it's the, yes. the idea to me of the word perfection and never being able to touch it being so close is so amazing to me. But always knowing that you've got two, three, four inches in this way. You know, it's the greats are great because they do one thing. I want to be great or good at many things. Because if you're, you stop at one, you have a what now moment. Growth stops, depression sets in. I just want to be great in all aspects. And it's not about me. A lot of people get trapped in this entrepreneurial or rat race we call the court world of, I need a Mercedes, I need a Rolex, I need a penthouse, I need a trophy wife. Uh, no, no, no. This is, a, for me, the difference between a great leader and a selfish leader is a great leader wants something for people, not from them. And a selfish one is there for the Rolex. And it's a big difference because you'll see the ones who want something for people will get the Rolex and they, don't, they didn't even ask for it. But that was That's stage right. one. And I feel a lot of people have issues um, comparing themselves to others. I tell everybody, do not do that. This is the, most, the only person I compare myself to is me yesterday. I, I do this huh. all the time. I take videos every morning and night, and I tell myself what I'm proud of and what I want to attack today. And at night, I watch the morning video, and I make my night video. And I go, here's what we accomplished today. I'm proud of you. Let's do X, Y, and Z tomorrow. See you in the morning. And I'll watch that in the morning, and then I make my morning video. And if you look at my video from years ago, so the one I made this morning, they're two different people. Of course and they that's are. It. So, like, people are like, how do I grow? You do those videos by yourself, everything changes. That's, that's where you start. And a lot of people are afraid of starting, but I'm afraid of... They're afraid of failing, right? I'm afraid of not trying. I'd rather regret things that I, I did than things I never tried. I'm thinking, oh, what if? 
what if I did that? What would have happened? What are the outcomes? Well, here's the outcomes. I'm going to try it. It doesn't hurt. Mm. What did you say in the beginning? Because I want to, I want to repeat that with, for the audience. And you said something about, about you know, you said about, you, you said something to the effect of, you know, I, I'm this person today and I'm better than I was yesterday. Like what, what did you just say? Because you just rattled this off your tongue, which is amazing. But but I want to make sure that the audience I, hears that. I chase again. myself. I don't chase anybody else. I compare myself to who right. I was and who I'm going to be and who I am and where I'm going. Um, I look right. up to, you know, if I'm 22 now, 32-year-old Dylan has two things he's going to say when he looks back. Dylan, what did you do? You wasted X, Y, and Z. Why were you not doing X, Y, and Z? Or Dylan, thank you for doing everything you did. And... Um, no matter who, what I do now will still impact my family. Say I committed a big crime tonight. Everybody involved that's ever rooted for me or said great things about me, it impacts them because it reflects back on them. If I do great things, I go to school, it reflects on them. So when people take a chance on me, or people take chances on others, they look at it as an opportunity for themselves, when really now you need to fulfill something that somebody saw on you. You can't let them down now. It's not about you. So I have people who believe in me like yourself, which I appreciate, and, and Craig and a lot of other amazing people that now I can't perform at such a, a low level. I have to chase my better self. I have to grow because I have people who are speaking highly of me, are referring me, which anything me drop the ball will reflect poorly on you. And that's not, that's not who I am and that's not what I'm about. And also, your kids. I don't have kids yet, but when I do, they're going to, if I tell them chase your dreams, they ask me why I didn't. You know, it's like, that's right. I'm going to smoke a cigarette but tell you not to. Every, I, I have friends, their parents smoke, they smoke. We do what that's we right. see, not what we hear. hear. Of. So it's, that's, that comes back to what community you're in. What are you surrounded by? What's the energy? What are people around you doing? I like being around people who want more out of life because they make me want more out of life. And then we can collaborate like this, which is beautiful. And we can both figure out how to elevate each other in both verdicts. And it's the thing is, I learned, say I get a thousand views on a video, I probably impacted 2,000 people because one person talks to five people that share X, Y, and Z. I had a gentleman reach out to me. He's been watching me since 2020. That's when I started. He started the same page. He's from London. He's in the same point he was in 2020, and I'm not. He had asked me to do a video. I sent him a Zoom link, and he asked me, what is it? I said, I get in the room with people who have the results that I want, and around the energy and people who want things out of life, we figure out how to, how to do it. And I'm more comfortable outside my comfort zone than I am inside it, because outside is where you grow, where you learn, where you adapt, where you evolve into who you can be and who you will be. Yes, I love that. And, and behind me, I don't know if you can see this, um, I was on a friend of mine's podcast and one day I got this in the mail and it was a quote that I said, which is in order to grow, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. And I keep this as a reminder because so often people don't take that leap because it's so icky. It feels, <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't feel good. Right. Yes. And and that's the hardest part about growth is that it, it, it feels icky sometimes. And, and it's just learning to be comfortable in that space. Because when you learn that, what you find is that when you get to the other side, it's like, ah, you know, like, it's like the bright lights and, and things just feel so good. Yeah, I like to bring it down to a, a level where everybody understands it. And that's the gym. I work out every day. I, since I've taken my commitment to work out every day, there are three days ever that I said, ah, oh, I listened to my doubt. I said, ah, I'm tired. I had a long day. You don't have to work out today, Dylan. 
every day I did that, the next morning I regretted it, and that night I couldn't make it because X, Y, and Z. Not an excuse because the firm or family or pop tie or whatever. So I feel like it was real-life examples going, this is why you do go to the gym, Dylan. And I feel That's like right. if everybody understands that if you will go to the gym, you'll work out, you'll feel good, you'll be proud of yourself. But if you don't, you regret it. That's with anything and everything. That's like taking risks in business, taking risks in life. If you don't take the risk, you'll never know and you'll regret not doing it because you're now complacent. Well, and going to the gym, that's, that is such a great example because fitness is all about pushing yourself. Yes. And it's hard, <laughs> right? You know, I'm, I work out with a trainer now and, and I've known for years because I've been a professional athlete most of my life. I mean, I've been at this for 50 years and I, the thing that I was missing and why I kept getting these little injuries was because I was not doing the strength training. And so I made a commitment to myself and I, I did a little mind hack to, to, to trick myself. And, and, and now I want to go to the gym, but when you're working out with that trainer, it is hard, yeah. you know, it's hard. And you, you, you have to push yourself, and that's such a great example. So thank you for sharing that, and I love your commitment oh, I mean, I, to everything you're doing. I appreciate it. It's not about me anymore, though. When the first time somebody right. commented on my post, it wasn't about me anymore. Now I have fans, I have viewers, I have supporters, I have peers who all watch it and either need it or know somebody who need it. I have people who reach out. My motivational speeches told me to change his life, and he looks forward to the videos on Tuesdays. Okay, it's not about me. He needs it. It's just that one person I'll still post every Tuesday. But it's not. We're not we're at a bigger level. Um, it's We've got more that it's not about me. It's about the, those who rely on it, those who need it, those who want it, those who could use it. Um, I just want to be a vessel for that. You are so amazing at such a young age. And when we were in New York, did you get to meet Chefin yeah. with Zach? Yes. So I interviewed him yesterday. Oh, awesome. And now I'm interviewing you today. He's 23. You're 22. I'm just blown away at both of you. I, I've just never met people like you before. And and there's, I, I feel like you know there are no coincidences. Um, and and I just want you to know that you are inspiring me in ways that I never imagined possible. So thank you for that because, and I'm I'm just so excited for you because. As I was saying to Zach yesterday, you're just getting started. Right. This is your warm up. You haven't even, I mean, like you're just warming up. And that's what I love about both of you because he's, he's doing something completely opposite, right? Yeah. And, and both of you are just warming up and that just lights me up to no end. <laughs> um, and you know, I was like, can I adopt you? I know you have parents, but I want to adopt you too, <laughs> because I'm so proud of you. Oh, and you know, I'll always be here to support you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And talk, just talk a little bit about some of the events that you're doing, because I think it's so incredible that you're creating your own events. Yes, I am. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Quick? So I, I host events because um, I get talked into them. Um, the, less, the lessons you learn getting pushed out of your comfort zone. The very first time I did an event, I was pushed to do it. Invested some money. Had three weeks to put this together. COVID hit. First venue. Canceled due to size. And compliance first celebrity I ever booked canceled had to cancel her flight everything and you get pushed through these adversities and these challenges to still say you need to make it happen you have people who bought tickets you have people relying on you you have a show to put on um just go figure it out when I started saying yes and figuring out to everything in corporate and in my business it answered so many questions and I've always been like this sucks this is painful I wish I could I remember not sleeping nights like oh but these events are again going back to, not to me 
when I go in and I have people here, I host them. I love also giving opportunity as much as I can because people give me opportunity. So if I can give it, it'll come back. And it's not about coming back. You need to give without the expectation of it coming back. The way I want right. to come back is those who I give do something with it. I love when, when people win. I get more excited than they do for their wins. And people are like, why are you so excited? I'm like, we're winning. Like, you're winning. I'm so hyped. Like, this is it. it feels like a win for me because I'm so behind them. Um, so when I get to pe- give people those opportunities, I give them those stages. And those in the audience are crying and they're standing up and they're clapping and they're thanking me for just creating such a room of energy that will change every individual life in there. That goes back to what it's about platform, the lives change, the impact, the inspiring, what each and everybody person is going to do with it after. And where can people learn about your events? Um, you can look me up, Dylan Smith Dyslexia on Google, everything comes up, or dsforslexia.com or dsfordyslexia19 on Instagram. I'm so happy to connect with anybody and everybody. I'm, I don't judge. I recommend nobody does it. I think everybody is beautiful and everybody has something to offer. Oh, Dylan, this has been such a pleasure and an honor. And thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me this morning. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on your platform and putting me on the VIP list. Of course. (laughs) Well, you are a VIP. I appreciate it. You are too. Oh, thank you, honey. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.